Good morning. Happy Sabbath. This is Father Mark. We had a beautiful morning this morning at Our Lady of the Isle in Grand Isle, and I was able to share with them a story, which I'm going to share with you in just a few seconds. But before we kind of open up the message today, I would encourage you, if you don't have access to the notes for the homily, just to maybe hit pause and to do so now. For those of you who are listening to this because you receive the homily, there was a link and all the notes were there with the link. You can also find it on our website, OurLadyOfTheIsle.com, and you can find it in the bulletins or the daily posts. But however you can get your hands on the notes, uh, as we begin a story today, the notes are going to be really helpful for you today. And I shared with the congregation that on this past Friday, I was able to go fishing. It's been a real gift to be here on the island and just to be able to relax a lot more, a new change of lifestyle. And and as I woke up on Friday and I looked at the forecast, I knew that the weather was not going to be the the best, you might say. And as we left the dock and began to make our way to our fishing spot, sure enough, I could see the thunderstorms kind of brewing around us. Now, we were able to make our way through the storms. We actually found some clear water. I found some, some calm water, we were able to fish, had a great morning of fishing, but eventually the weather kind of caught up with us, and eventually uh, we were kind of sandwiched in between two storms, and it wasn't the rain that got us as much as it was the wind and the waves. First thing I want you to hold on to is I want you to remember the waves, right? And the wind and the waves just really we were at the mercy of. They, they just had their way with the boat. Um, we had a little trawl motor on the front of the boat, but it couldn't really keep up with the force and the pressure that was there. And, and even the anchor that we had, uh, it was keeping us, you might say, in the same spot. But we were moving all around in that spot because of the action of the waves. The wind was brewing, the storm was brewing, and the waves, they just, they moved the boat wherever they wanted to move the boat. Until we made a decision to go home. And uh, we had already caught enough fish, and we were already thinking about leaving before the weather got bad anyway. But uh, as uh, the captain turned on the, that outboard motor, right, he turned on that Yamaha, all of a sudden we were able to, to start moving forward, and we were slicing through the waves on the way home. It wasn't the smoothest of rides, but that engine, the motor, the outboard motor, did what it's supposed to do, which is to propel the boat forward in a particular direction. So you know me well enough by now, we're building an image for a reason, and here's the image, and here's what struck me as we were going home. Without the, the technology of the, the outboard motor, right, and just left to ourselves, the boat was just at the mercy of the waves. It was just being tossed around left and right. But the, the engine, and particularly a part of that motor, is what allowed us to kind of move forward in the direction we wanted to go, regardless of the waves. And if you have access to the notes, again, if you look at the the first part, the outboard motor has a rudder, uh, oftentimes called a sked on an outboard motor. And the rudder is a flat piece hinged vertically near the stem of a boat or a ship for steering. And what the rudder does is the rudder is what propels the boat forward in a particular direction. So a rudder guides the boat. Without a rudder, a boat is vulnerable to wherever the waves want to take it. Let me say that again. The rudder, this part of the, the motor of a boat, the, the, the bottom part, it, it guides the boat 
so that the boat moves in the direction you want it to go rather than in the direction where the waves are trying to propel it. Which is really significant for us as we read the gospel today and as I think we just find ourselves in the midst of a very interesting time and an interesting week. And as I was watching us go home, I was kind of fascinated with um, the mechanics of the outboard motor, and I was very particularly interested with the rudder and the way that it was able to take the boat in a very particular direction. And then as I I made the application to the readings today, a lot of things just kind of made sense for me. And so uh, we, we all need a rudder in life, right? I needed a rudder on a boat, but we all need a rudder in our personal lives. Uh, Let me say that again. Uh, We all need a rudder in our personal lives. And just just say that with me, right? Right now. We all need a rudder in our personal lives. That's the message today. We all need a rudder. I learned that fishing, and I learned that even as I was processing my emotions, just with everything happening this week. We all need a rudder in our personal lives. Now, how did I get to that conclusion? Well, first thing I want to do is kind of want to paint a quick picture for you of what was happening in the readings today at Mass, which I think are going to shed in some way a light on things, and then we're going to jump back into this rut of things. But just so that we we can kind of put things in a context, let's put into the context. Uh, If you're looking on the homily notes with me, I'll go to, to letter B, right? The where Jesus is today reveals the what is going on in the gospel. One more time, right? Jesus is in a very particular place, and the where he is is what's going to reveal the what is going on in uh, the gospel. It says in uh, today's gospel, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, what's, uh, what's, per- what's particular about this region? Why is the where so important? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. We're familiar with Noah, right, and the flood. Noah had sons, and his grandson was Canaan, right? Noah was the father of Ham. Ham was the father of Canaan. So Noah's grandson was Canaan, and Canaan had his own son, and his son's name was Sidon. So the, the land of Canaan comes from this person, Canaan, the grandson of Noah, and this place called Sidon, which is in the gospel today. Jesus was in the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is the great-grandson of Noah. So these these people were the leader of tribes. The tribes became a people. The people became a land, right? So Jesus is in the area of Tyre and Sidon. This is an area north of the Holy Land, near actually Lebanon, near Beirut, and that's where he is. And the reason why this is significant is because of this this woman that approaches Jesus in this particular area, right? In the gospel today, Matthew 15, 22, it says, and I quote, And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came to him. So she's a Canaanite woman. She's from the land of Canaan. And, And the reason this is significant is because... After God's people wandered through the desert for 40 years, uh, we know that God gave them their own land, right? That was the promise to Abraham. It was the promise to Moses. It's why they're wandering through the desert to get to their own land. Well, when they got to this land, people were living in that land. And they were the Canaanites. So when God put his people in the land, he took some people out that land, right? God's chosen people took the land from the Canaanites, 
And the Canaanites were historically the biggest enemies of the, the Israelite people, the chosen people. So like, they were the arch enemies of the Israelites. And there were also people who were immersed in idolatry to, to pagan gods, to false gods. They had explicit immorality. In fact, the woman that comes to Jesus today in the gospel, let's go back to the notes. She actually said, and I quote, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. So they were involved in all kinds of stuff, like right, even demonic worship, right? So this Canaanite woman in the land of Canaan, that's where Jesus is. This woman, an arch enemy of the Israelites, a woman of pagan worship, probably dabbling in some demonic comes to Jesus and acknowledges him as the Messiah. Now that's significant. Why? Well, stay with me here just for a little bit longer, right? Jesus' response to her in the today's gospel is very interesting. He says in Matthew 15, 24, that he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let me say that one more time. Jesus says to her, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, it's significant why he said this, where he said it, and it has implications on what she said to Jesus. So let's unpack that together. Let's go back to Abraham, right? We know that Abraham had his, his own family, right? Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob is the one who wrestled with God, and eventually Jacob's name was changed to Israel. That's how we got the Israelites, right? That's how we have the nation of Israel. They, they, they trace their lineage back to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons were, were the founder of their own tribe, and they, they, they settled all throughout the Holy Land, right? So there were 12 tribes of Israel. Ten of them were in the north, and two of them were in the south. And, and ten of those 12 tribes, something really bad happened. You look at the notes in uh, note number C4. In 722 B.C., the northern tribes of Israel, those ten tribes, were invaded by the Assyrians, and they were forcibly deported out of the Holy Land. And they were scattered amongst all the nations. The Assyrians then, as they took the, the Jewish people out of the Holy Land, these ten tribes that took them out, they populated that land with, with Gentiles, with pagans, right? These Canaanites, they went back to this area. And so Jesus is in this area where the ten lost tribes of Israel used to live. These 10 tribes that were lost because these 10 tribes were invaded and occupied and eventually enslaved by the Assyrians. Now, this is important because there was an expectation in the first century at the time of Jesus that the Messiah would one day take these lost tribes of Israel and gather them back to the promised land, right? Many people thought that one of the things that the Messiah was going to do was unite all 12 tribes of Israel and establish a new kingdom here on earth. So Jesus is in this area where the 10 tribes of Israel were lost. People were expecting him to bring them back. 
In fact, if you look at all the readings today, they all point to one thing, which is that there's this prophecy, this prediction that one day everyone's going to be united. Everyone's going to worship Jesus. The first reading from Isaiah points to this, kind of predicting a day when everyone's going to... even the foreigners are going to worship God in Jesus Christ. And the responsorial psalm actually said it explicitly, right? Lord, let all the nations praise you. And then Jesus is in this area where people were expecting, especially the Jewish people were expecting that one day that they, the, the lost tribes of Israel would come back and all people would worship Jesus, right? So over and over, time and time again, reading after reading, today's theme of the readings is here it is. One day, everybody's going to worship Jesus Christ. That's kind of like the theme of the gospel today, the theme of the readings today. And I, I have to be honest with you, I very much struggled with that in lieu of the week that we had this week and just where we are at this time in our nation's history. So I felt this tension in my heart between, on one hand, God saying, hey, there's going to be a day when everybody worships me. And I just don't see that happening. I, I don't have more hope for our nation when I see what's happening. I, I don't think that we're, we're heading down a right path with the tension in our country right now. And so I, to be quite honest with you, to share my heart with you, I very much struggled this week as I was talking to God about, okay, I see the promise, but I don't see the reality. And as I was praying with this tension in my heart, I was brought back to fishing on Friday in this rudder and the waves. This past Friday, the waves were crashing against the boat and they were just tossing that boat all around. And there are quote unquote waves that are all about the boat, you might say right now, right? So if you're the boat, There's all kinds of waves crashing against the boat right now. So to be quite honest with you, I I don't necessarily want to get into opinions here, but everybody has an opinion about something, right? I was in some heated conversations this week about Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, you have an opinion of, of, of the movement and the racial tensions in the country right now and the responses from people on both sides, right? There, there's a big old wave that's crashing up against the boat right now with the racial tension in the country right now. It seems like everybody has an opinion over the uh, what happened with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party this past week. It just seems like as the election gets closer, I'm not going to share with you my opinion. I don't want to get into your opinion, but we all have an opinion over uh, the political landscape in the country right now. Even COVID, everyone's got an opinion on COVID, uh, whether you think it's a big thing or whether you don't think it's anything at all. Masks themselves have become politicized and and volatile almost, right? Whether you're going to wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether you go grocery shopping with a mask and you bump into somebody who doesn't have a mask or you don't have a mask and you bump into somebody who does have a mask, right? It just seems like even masks themselves um, can, can be a source of tension. And if you thought things were tense now, wait till we we get to into November with the election. Wait to, for Thanksgiving dinner this year and Christmas dinner this year, and and the response that's going to be at the the kitchen table because everybody has waves crashing against the boat right now. 
right? So in the real world where you and I live, there's a lot that's going on right now. And we are in need of a rudder more than ever. So when I look at the readings today about everybody worshiping Jesus, I don't see it happen. I just see more tension. And I just, I need a rudder in my life that's going to keep me grounded. Or the waves are just going to take it wherever it's going to go. See, if you don't have a rudder in life, then whatever the next wave that crashes against you is just going to take you wherever it's going to take you. It could take you emotionally with your response or frustration or anger or hopelessness. It could take you with believing in something that may or may not be of God. It can take you into making poor decisions based off of what's happening in you. In other words, here's the thing. You need a rudder in life, something to guide you through the storms in life. And our nation is in a storm right now. So there, we all need a rudder, right? That's the, that's where we absolutely need to, to go today. And there's three questions about your rudder, right? So let's ask three questions. Number one, what do you need from a rudder? Number two, what's the best rudder out there? And number three, how do you get, get that best rudder, right? So three questions. The first is, what do you need from your rudder? Well, the first thing is your rudder must be bigger than the waves. In other words, your rudder must be able to withstand whatever comes against it. So if your rudder in life is not more powerful than the emotions of the day, the political ideologies of the day, um, uh, what, whatever is charging racial tension in our country right now, if you don't have a rudder that's bigger than that, then the rudder's not going to work, right? Your rudder has to be more influential than the things that come against it. Number two, your rudder must be able to serve as a guide for discernment. In other words, how do you know what to believe these days or who to follow or how to respond? Please, God, don't listen to the media. I don't care if you watch Fox or MSN or CNN or YouTube or, or, or some uh, bootleg um, news agency out of someone's basement. It, who do you trust these days and who do you follow? How do you respond? If you don't have a rudder that you can bounce ideas off of, well, then, then, then you're just going to be fall victim to the next wave. So a rudder, it guides the sermon. It helps you determine what's true or not, what to do or not. And number three, um, the, the, the rudder on an outboard engine, it, it only works if the rest of the motor is working, right? The propellers have to be moving in order for the rudder to act and do, and, and do something, right? The engine has to be working. The rudder is only part of a bigger picture. And, and likewise, your rudder, you have to engage it. You have to turn on the engine. It has to be connected to the rest of your life. Right. So your rudder in life, if it doesn't determine how you vote, if you vote, what you believe about abortion or contraception or end of life issues, if your rudder doesn't actually determine what you do with your money or how you um, you raise your family or your goal in life, if it's not connected to the practical circumstances in life, then it's not a rudder. Right. So your rudder has to be connected to the reality of life. And we all need a rudder, right? It's got to be bigger than the waves. It has to guide you in discernment. And it's got to work in harmony with the rest of your life. Now, the second question is, well, then, what's the best rudder out there, right? And, and I'm going to make a case for Jesus Christ as your rudder. Three things I want you to consider. Number one, God sees what we see, but also sees what we don't see. 
Let me say that again. God sees what we see, but he also sees what we don't see. So when you and I are immersed in watching the news and all the tension in the country right now and COVID and the economy and the price of oil and going back to school, and if you can't see the future or if your rudder can't see the future, then you need to get a new rudder because God can. God sees your present moment. God also sees the past and the future. God knows where we're heading, right? So with God as your rudder, you gain a vision of life that all by yourself or earthly rudders, they can't provide for you. Number two, God's been here before. There's a great um, quote on the exterior wall of a concentration camp in Germany, Dachau concentration camp. And as you're walking out of this concentration camp, which was the, the home of quite possibly one of the greatest atrocities in human history, there's a great line that says, those who are ignorant to history are bound to repeat it. One more time, it says that those who are ignorant to history are bound to repeat it. You know, one of the reasons we are where we are is because human beings just keep repeating history because we don't learn from it. We've been here before, maybe not our nation, but humanity's been where we are now. And we're going to be here again because we're going to keep repeating the same mistakes. God has seen all of this before. God's not surprised that we have racial tension in the country and we've got political tension in our country and we've got moral tension and COVID and God's been here before. So when God's your rudder, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you don't have to figure it all out because he's been here before. And number three, with God as your rudder, you have wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. I was talking to someone who was um, kind of advocating a certain uh, opinion, and and I, I reminded them that there's a difference between knowing something and wisdom right? Knowledge can teach you how to build a bomb. Wisdom tells you not to. Let me say that again. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you ought to do it. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, and God has wisdom. So with God as your rudder, he sees what you don't see. He's been here before, and he has wisdom. So the third question that naturally emerges for us is, well, then how does God become your rudder? And I told people this morning that just do one thing, but just, just pick one of the ways that it's easy for you to, to get more engaged with God. So either you want to read something, listen to something, or watch something. So if you'd like to read, I'm strongly recommending a great book that's just been on my heart lately called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, written in 1952, 68 years ago. And I just I, I feel like 68 years ago, he's writing to America in 2020. Smear Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Great book. If you like to read, if you like to listen to stuff, go to catholicproductions.com and sign up for Dr. Brant Petrie's Mass Readings Explain. They're gonna, it's going to be delivered to you every Monday. It's worth uh, the, this little small investment, little small subscription, but you're going to get his commentary every Monday delivered to you. You're going to learn more about the Bible just listening to him than you will from any preacher. And uh, he's going to get you ready for Mass every Sunday. If you like to listen to stuff, go to catholicproductions.com and sign up for Dr. Dr. Brent Petrie's Mass Readings Explained. If you want to watch something, just Google Bishop Robert Barron. Uh, I don't think anybody in the country 
uh, is engaging with a secular culture better than uh, Bishop Barron. You know, he, he's constantly engaging with atheists or, or people who believe in um, spirituality without religion, right? He's, he's constantly talking to people who have left um, uh, the Catholic Church. And, and if you want to just watch something that will inspire you, just Google Bishop Robert Barron and pick something that he's been producing because he's doing it better than anybody else. But we all need a rudder. Because the waves are only going to get worse, right? It's going to get uh, really tense in our country over the last um, uh, few months uh, that's coming ahead around the corner. And, and we all need a, a rudder uh, that's going to save you from the waves. And, and please, God, that that rudder is God. And please, God, that you are able to have him in your life in a very particular way. Let's keep praying for each other. Let's keep praying for our nation. Let's keep praying for all of us. And let's allow the Lord to be our rudder that will give us direction in our journey of life. God bless you.